Hey, good morning, next peeps. Good to see all of you. There's a little bit of reverb on that, Nate. Great to see all of you guys this morning. Um, podcasters, podcasters out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're, uh, I mean, can you kill the reverb? Got it? Thank you. Awesome. Great for uh, great for singing solos, not not so great for trying to teach. Yeah, podcasters, if you're out there and you're working around the house on your way to work. We want you to know that we appreciate you joining us as well. Everybody remember, I've been making this announcement, but remember, March 11th, 6 p.m. right here in the A Center, our first next social of the year. And if you come to this class, you're invited. We would love to have you come. So come be with us. March 11th at 6 p.m. Now, today, uh, we're going to continue our series on relationships and uh, the series that we're in, You Make Me Crazy. Before we launch, though, um, I would uh, like for us to do one thing. Uh, would you stand with me? We don't do this very often, but would you stand? Um, I'm sure that there are a multitude of needs here in the building today, but there's one very special need. Um, Jeremy and Brooke and little Ellie are at the hospital right now, and Ellie has been uh, diagnosed with RSV, that respiratory mess, and she's just miserable. They've got her stuck with needles and all that kind of stuff, and we just want to pray for them. So let's pray for our class today, that the Lord would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive, and, and pray that he would touch Ellie's body. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that we're able to come into this place to be able to spend time in your presence, to hear from you, and to hear from your word. Lord, we pray that you would open our ears this morning Help us to not just not just listen, but to really hear and, and help our hearts to be good ground. Lord, we pray that you would touch Ellie's body today, that she would be healed or that the, the miracle would amaze the doctors, that she would see a dramatic turnaround today. And then we pray for Brooke and Jeremy as well, that they would have rest and peace in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for that. God bless you. You can be seated. So 2017 and next is all about what? relationships y'all are catching on making our lives better by making our relationships better and we started off the year with this series you make me crazy coming from rick warren and we've gotten a lot of great feedback so far on this series on the material thank you for that i really do appreciate it um, i need that validation just as much as anybody else does um, but a uh, lot of credit for this material goes to rick warren and, and his church, Saddleback Church. But thank you for the positive feedback. I'm glad that it's, it's having, a good, um, having a positive and good impact in your lives. It makes me happy. Uh, so far in this series, we've looked at six keys to peaceful relationships, the things that wise people never do in relationships. Then we looked at who's pushing your buttons, managing those angry, crazy makers, and managing yourself whenever you're dealing with one. And then Brian talked to us about the seven biblical steps to resolving conflict and all of those are available online uh, either via the church website gracechurchofcentral.com or via the grace church mobile app available for ios and android thank you very much so um, you can check those out now last week last week we covered the first part of finding the love of your life and we dedicated last week and this week to our singles all of our singles in the house again raise your hand for us please we want to make you feel totally conspicuous and awkward yes thank you for that we appreciate it 
I'm not going to call you up to stage again like I did to some of you last week. Thanks for being good sports and playing around, but um, we appreciate that. Now, married folks, there's good stuff in here for you, too. Um, there's good stuff in here for you. If you're married, there's good stuff in here for you to pass along to children or to people that you care about that are considering getting married. So there's so don't check out. Stay stay with us. And what we did last week was we dispelled three myths about finding the love of your life. And the first one was that God will choose my mate for me. We're going to run through these real quick. God's not going to choose your mate for you. He puts 100% of the responsibility for that on your shoulders. He'll give you a vision for your life. He'll give you a dream for your life. He'll be the architect of your life, but you've got to build it. He's not going to build it for you, and uh, you've got to get involved. It's up to you to build what he designs. The second myth that we dispelled last week was that there is only one right person for me. Ruffled a few feathers with this, but you're still here, so I have hope. Um, but it, it's a romantic myth. It's, it, it's, it's a nice myth, and it's, it's a sweet myth, but it's, it's a myth. It's not true. It's not biblical. If there was only one right person in the whole universe for, for you, then all it would take is one chucklehead, Nathan, to mess it up for all the rest of us. And it's not logical. In fact, there are multiple yeses. Out of the 7 billion people on this planet, there are multiple people that God looks at and says, yes, that would be good. That would be okay. It's acceptable for you to marry that person. A whole lot of people, God says, uh-uh, no, don't marry that person. But there's more than one right person for you. And then the third myth that we looked at was that love alone, love alone is reason enough to marry. Just because you love somebody doesn't mean that you should marry that person. You can fall in love with all kinds of people, but it doesn't mean that you should marry them because love isn't always enough. It takes more than romantic feelings to make a marriage work. And all of the married people in the house said, amen. So then we got started looking at the three uh, must haves, the three must haves, the three things that the Bible says you must have in order to have uh, a marriage that is blessed and, and a marriage that is protected a successful marriage. And the first one of those that we talked about last week was we must have anybody. Whoa. All right. Yes. Spiritual unity. Thank you. You cannot have the ultimate emotional, physical, spiritual unity with the person you're married to. If you're not united, guys, in the number one area of your life, which is your relationship with God. Nobody. We saw this last week. I asked you to raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand and said, I want a shallow marriage. Nobody raised their hand and said, Jason, I want a business arrangement instead of a relationship. Nobody said that. So remember, whenever God designed marriage, he didn't cut himself out of the deal. He designed it so that he has a place in it. A successful marriage takes three people, a man, a woman and Jesus. And any marriage that doesn't involve Jesus is going to be like we talked about last week. It's like trying to sit on a stool with two legs. You might be able to pull it off for a little while, but it's going to be a rough ride all the time. But whenever you add Jesus to the relationship, to the marriage, it's a lot more stable. Spiritual unity is a must have. And the Bible is clear about that. Second Corinthians chapter six, verses 14 through 15 and we looked at this in the New Living Translation. So simple. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer partner with an unbeliever? 
And guys, remember, there's no such thing as missionary dating. No such thing as missionary dating. Because marriage doesn't resolve issues, it reveals issues. You find you've got issues that you didn't know you had after you get married. So trying to be a missionary and pull them up is most often not going to work because once you're married to them, they don't change. Amen? Okay. All right, so um, this week, what we want to do is we wanna, I want to give you the other two must-haves. We just gave you the first one, must-have spiritual unity. And then I want to give you a checklist for emotional health. And then some next steps for the week that are really the same as last week, but only now you'll have more information. So y'all ready? Y'all doing okay? All right, let's learn some stuff. Here we go. So must-have number two, for those of you taking notes, must-have number two. We must have life purpose compatibility. That's a mouthful. We must have life purpose compatibility. In other words, we've got to be headed in the same direction for the same reason, for the same purpose in life. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the destination? Can two people walk together? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the destination? Obviously, no. The, the answer is no. So run it out. If two people can't walk together without agreeing on the direction, then how in the world do you expect to live together in intimacy without, without agreement? Newsflash, you can't. A marriage is going to fall apart or you're going to live in a life of conflict. So the implication, guys, of it is this. And, and again, we're dedicating this to our singles. Listen to this. You're not ready to marry until you know what your life purpose is. And some of you are married in here right now. And you're thinking, oh, oh, uh oh. But you need to identify if you're planning on getting married, you need to be pretty certain with yourself. What, what is my purpose? What is my mission? What is my calling? Why did God put me here on this earth? And until you know the answer to that question, Jason's going to stand here and tell you, don't even think about getting married. Because if you don't know what your purpose is and you get married and you discover it later. You might be living the rest of your life married but unable to fulfill your purpose. That's serious stuff. How miserable would that be? How tragic would that be? Folks, God puts you here on this planet for a purpose. He shaped you. He gifted you. He called you. Let's look at three verses right here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. In the NIV, it says, For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love that. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know that before you were even born, God decided in advance, prepared in advance for your life's purpose? That's amazing to me. Now, you may not know this, but one day you're going to die. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. You're going to die. Your heart's going to stop. But you're not just going to cease to exist. No, no, no. What's going to happen is your spirit is going to continue to live on eternally in one of two places. You want to talk about relationships? You were made. You were designed 
for an eternal relationship with God. And so one day your heart's going to stop and you're going to die and you're going to stand before God and and God's going to ask you two questions. That's a good thing about God. It's it's not a pop quiz. He tells us in advance what the questions are going to be. And the first question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with the sacrifice that I made for you through Jesus? What did you do with that? He's not going to ask you, were you Pentecostal? Were you Baptist? Were you Catholic? Were you Presbyterian? He's going to ask you, what did you what did you do with what I told you in my word about the sacrifice I made through Jesus? What did you do with that? And I hope you know the answer to that question. If you don't know the answer to that question, we need to talk. I would love to talk to you. But that's a that's a question that you need to know the answer to. The second question Jesus or that Jesus is going to ask you is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Because I gave you certain, here we go, Casey, I gave you certain gifts, certain talents, certain abilities, certain purposes. I wired you with specific spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience. Anybody read Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life? That should sound familiar to you. So, and God's going to say, so what did you do with that? What did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? Did you fulfill your purpose? He's not going to ask you, so who'd you marry? He's not going to ask you that. He's going to ask you, did you fulfill your purpose? Well, uh, about about that, God, uh, see, I met this really cute girl. Uh, So I'm sorry about that whole purpose thing, but she, she was hot. Now, how do you think that's going to go? Wrong answer. Wrong answer. God gifted you. Look at 1 Peter 4 and 10. New Living Translation. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God gave you gifts. You've got to be faithful to those gifts. If you've got a life partner who doesn't care about that stuff, then how are you going to use the gifts that God gave you? And also God called you. Look at Hebrews 3 and 1. Also in the New Living, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Partners with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. If you've got a a girlfriend or boyfriend and, and you're not going to be more effective in fulfilling your purpose married than you are single, then you need to stay unmarried. I'm feeling a little pastoral right now. I'm going to say that again. If you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're not going to be more effective in fulfilling your life's purpose married to that person than you are right now single, then you need to stay unmarried. You need to find somebody else that fits with your life purpose. Guys, the purpose of marriage is to make you more effective in fulfilling your purpose. And if marriage keeps you from fulfilling that purpose, then you miss the point of the marriage to be partners in God's calling. Think of what you need to do. You need to think of your life's purpose as a circle. And then you need to think of the life purpose of that person that you're thinking about marrying as a circle. And then you need to see if it's where those two overlap. 
how much do they overlap? Is it possible for them to even look like to look like one? Imagine them coming together. That's the purpose of marriage. I married a woman like that. She's sitting right back there. Now, confession, it was it was God's grace. We didn't I don't even think that we really did this part on purpose. I don't because we were young. I was 19. Julia, 21. We didn't have a clue. We didn't. I didn't have a clue what my life's purpose was. Matter of fact, I was so full of insecurities and fear that I denied the very thing that kept coming up in my life over and over and over again, which was ministry. It's 20 years later, and I'm just now getting past the fear and insecurity and starting to embrace the purpose that God has for my life. And Julia's had to watch all of that happen. Thankfully, our life purposes overlap enough that it didn't tear us apart. But folks, we beat the odds on that one. You won the lottery, honey. And so did I. But don't leave it up to luck, guys. You, you, you single people in here, don't leave it up to luck. Be intentional. It's too important. Let me say two more things about this one and then we'll move on. Notice it's life purpose compatibility. Underline, circle, highlight, star, compatibility. Not life purpose commonality or life purpose sameness. It's not do we have the same life purpose. It's do we have life purposes that can walk together? Do you see the difference? If my life's purpose is to lead others in discovering and developing their God-given design, Julia's life purpose doesn't have to be exactly like mine word for word in order for us to walk together. But they should complement each other. Complementary compatibility, life purpose. They work together. Think of it like a simple machine. One of the simplest machines, right, is, is the lever. You've, you've got, you've got a, a handle and a fulcrum, right? It's one of the simplest machines there is. A lever and a fulcrum, it's two parts. It's very effective if you've got one of each. It doesn't work at all if you've got two of the same thing. Two parts, one machine, huge impact. That's God's design for marriage. Two parts, one machine, huge impact. That's a godly marriage. The second thing I wanted to say about this and while we're on this idea of life purpose compatibility is that a bad marriage is 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd times worse than being single. A bad marriage is 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd times worse than than being single. That's a fact, Jack. I got it from the internet. You know it's true. That's, a, that's 602 with 21 zeros behind it. If you had that many baseballs, it would cover the whole earth to a depth of several hundred miles. It's a huge number. Who recognizes that number? 6.02 times 10 to 23rd. Avogadro's number, right? Yeah. All the science nerds in the room. Jason, listen, though, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, you're like 43 and you've been married forever. So you don't get it. Being single really stinks sometimes. Well, guess what, Flash? A bad marriage stinks 
All the time. All the time. Don't take my word for it, though. I mean, ask somebody that's been divorced. If you don't have life purpose compatibility, you are going to have a bad marriage. And it would be 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd times better for you to stay single. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for anything less than life purpose compatibility with the person that you're going to marry. Don't settle. And here's why. If you stay in relationship with that person and they keep you from your life's purpose, eventually, eventually, it might not manifest itself in the first year or the third year or the fifth year, but eventually, if that person keeps you from fulfilling your life purpose, you will come to resent that person. You will resent them. And you don't, you don't look at somebody and say, uh, hey, you, you want to spend the rest of our lives hating each other? Yeah. Well, you want to get married? Okay. Let's hate each other for the rest of our lives. But if there's not compatibility between your life purpose and his, there's going to be resentment. Jason, show me that to me in Scripture. David. David was a worshiper. And Micah saw him worship. And the Bible says that she despised him in her heart whenever she saw him worship. And you know what happened as a result of that? She was barren. That marriage was lifeless. There was no production, no offspring in that marriage. Resentment because of life purpose incompatibility. Y'all think about it. Mm, a little bit of pastor spirit in here today. Okay, must have number three. Here we go. Must have number three. We must both be emotionally healthy. So go ahead and laugh and get that out of your system. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just eyes up here. I, guys, I didn't say emotionally perfect. If you wait for the perfect wife or the perfect husband, it ain't going to happen. Because I already married the perfect wife. There's not any more. Yes. Now look, I got, I got news for you folks. We are all of us broken. Broken. I'm broke. You're broke. Look at the person next to you and just tell them, you broke. You broke. That's why Jesus... Don't, don't even put the in on it because that's how bad broke they are. There's not even an in. No, you broke. That's why Jesus had to come and die for us because we're broken. And, and understand this. If you get married, you're going to marry a sinner. And she's going to marry a bigger one. <laughs> but anybody you marry, Jonathan, anybody you marry is going to be broken. Two imperfect people cannot make a perfect relationship. So file that stupid idea away with wherever you file the rest of your stupid ideas. Don't throw it away because years from now, I want you to pull it out and look at it and say, man, that was dumb. I know that y'all think that Julia is, is sweet and soft-spoken 
and and talented and she's so she's so meek but i married a sinner a sinner she's a yes she's a perfect sinner and and y'all know me enough by now to know that julia married a sinner thanks michelle Nobody's perfect. There's been one perfect man that's walked this earth and he ain't the one you're dating. Everybody's broken. But here's the point. Some people are a lot more brokener than other people. Amen? Some people are a lot more broken than others. And and what you want to do with those those people is avoid them whenever it comes to selecting a mate. No matter how good looking they are, no matter how much money they have, no, no, no matter how good they treat you, you need to avoid them. There, there was a lady, <laughs> there was a lady in divorce court and, and she's asking the judge for a divorce. And, and the judge said, but you promised to take him for better or worse. And she said, yeah, but he was a lot worse than I took him for. You got to figure out the emotional health of that guy or that gal before you go too far in that relationship. And, and why is this one such a big deal? According to Rick Warren, he said, and I quote, multiple studies have shown that 80% of separations and divorces occur because one or both partners are emotionally unhealthy. So I'm going to give you a partial checklist, a partial checklist. It isn't complete, but a partial checklist for emotional health. These aren't my opinion. These aren't Rick Warren's opinion. These are what God says in his word to look for, to avoid or to run to whenever it comes to emotional health. And if you're in a relationship and you spot any of these and stay with it, then you're asking for trouble. That, that went over well. Thank you, Kara, for telling me this earlier today. But Stephen Furtick said, when you look for a mate, you don't look for potential. You look for patterns. Wow. So here's our emotional health checklist. Emotional health checklist, and I'm going to give you six. The first one is, whoever I marry must have no uncontrolled anger. Hmm. <laughs> it's okay to let the word talk to you y'all don't know how hard it is sometimes writing these lessons because you're like okay i gotta stand up there and teach that and the bullseye is right there whoever i marry must have no uncontrolled anger but jason i like the bad boys i like them Bad boys. Well, there's a word for you, sis. Fool. Fool. Proverbs 22, 24 in the NIV says, do not make friends. I'm going to assume that means marrying them too. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. You know why? Because uncontrolled anger really reveals deep insecurity and low self-worth. 
That, that's the root of uncontrolled anger. If I don't like me, then I don't like anybody else. And the best time for you to head off domestic abuse is to not marry them. If they don't like themselves, I can guarantee you at some point they're going to turn that anger on you. Whoever I marry must have no uncontrolled anger. Number two, whoever I marry must have no addictions. No addictions. Proverbs 23 and 20 in the NIV says, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. One translation says, or eat too much food. Let's pause right here for some confession. Uh-huh. You know, there's only two things mentioned here, food and alcohol, but y'all know there's a thousand ways to get addicted. You, you can get addicted to drugs. You can get addic- addicted to tobacco. You can get addicted to pornography. You can get addicted to video games. You can get addicted to social media. You can get addicted to spending money. I just love to shop. Run! Run! Do do I need to cover this point anymore? Fellas, I'm sorry. But if it's all the time, mm, yeah, I went there. When's the last time she posted something about Jesus? When's the last time she posted a scripture? When's the last time she talked about something that spiritual happening in her life? Mm, I told you all there was a pastoral spirit running through here today. Number three. Whoever I marry must have no bitterness. No bitterness. They got to deal with it before they deal with you. If your boyfriend or your girlfriend is carrying around a bunch of bitterness, it is going to manifest itself in your marriage. It is going to manifest itself in your marriage. Hebrews 12 and 15, New Living Translation says this. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and look at this next part corrupting many one root of bitterness troubles you and corrupts and king james uses the word defiles many look at what it says in the message it says keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent a thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. One root of bitterness, one thistle or two can ruin a whole garden. Is that what you want for your marriage? A patch of thistles? A garden of thorns? If she's bitter against her dad, guess what, new husband? And if he's bitter against his mother, well, guess what, new bride? Eventually, it's going to manifest itself. Well, Jason, he's not marrying his mom. He's marrying me. Well, sweetheart, he's bringing his mom and dad into the relationship. Bud, 
She's bringing mom and dad into the relationship. You don't marry a person. You marry a family. Now, he may not even know who his parents are, but they're still going to show up in the relationship because he is a product of their DNA. She may not associate with her parents anymore, but they're still going to show up in the relationship because she is a product of her environment. You can't escape it. And if he or she is carrying around a root of bitterness, guys, roots, roots are, are beneath the surface. Roots are deep. Roots are source material. Roots filter. They draw in. They send upward and outward. That's what roots do. And if there is a root of bitterness in that person that you're looking at for marriage, everything, everything is going to be filtered through bitterness. And everything they send upward and outward is going to be tainted by bitterness. It's a root. Bitterness has got to be dealt with. And the scripture tells us how it was dealt with. If you're in here and you're married right now and you're thinking, oh, my Jesus. This is my spouse. They are consumed by bitterness over what happened to them whenever they were abused as a child. Or they're consumed by bitterness over the way that their family is treated. The only antidote that we have is provided right here in this scripture. And it is the grace of God. And it would be better if you would make sure that that person is exposed to the grace of God before you marry them. Amen to that one. Number four, whoever I marry, this is we're going to change things up a little bit on this one. Whoever I marry must not be, must not be selfish. Whoever I marry must not be selfish. Proverbs 28, 25 says, greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Selfish people, greedy people cause trouble. The number one conflict in marriage boils down, Tommy, you said it last night, boils down to selfishness. This boils down to selfishness. I want what I want. You want what you want. And we both contend for what we want. It's selfishness. It leads to conflict. Proverbs 18 and 1 says, An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. And against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Unfriendly. Unkindness. Selfish. Number five. Whoever I marry must not be greedy. Whoever I marry must not be greedy. Proverbs 15, 27 says the greedy bring ruin. Look at this. The greedy bring ruin to their households. But the one who hates bribes will live greed. Guys, greed leads to debt. I want I'm going to live within my means, even if I have to charge it. it. Leads to debt. It leads to conflict. But look at what Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says. It says a generous man will what? Will prosper. A generous man will prosper. And he, look at the kindness. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's generosity and kindness. You want to marry a man who prospers, ladies? Marry a man who's generous and kind. The opposite of being selfish and greedy. Generosity and kindness. Two of the great, these are two of the greatest signs of emotional health. If you see someone who is generous and kind, there's two of the, that's two of the greatest indicators that that person is emotionally healthy. And, incidentally, a lot easier to get along with. Number six. Whoever I marry must have honesty. 
Whoever I marry must have honesty. They tell the truth. Proverbs 20 and 7 says a righteous person lives on the basis of his integrity. Children will his children will be blessed even after he's gone. You want your children to be blessed? Marry somebody who tells the truth. And that should be enough right there. But let's go back a few weeks. Honesty, telling the truth is important because love is based on trust and trust is based on truth. And if there's no truth, I can't trust you. And if I can't trust you, I can't love you. If he's lying to you while you're dating. He's going to lie to you after you get married. Fellas, if she's lying to you about where she's going and what she's doing while you're dating, she's going to lie to you about where she's going and what she's doing after you're married. Now, did you notice that in the entire list, everything that we've done last week and this week, there's not one word about appearance. Not a single word about how they look. There's not, in, there's not a peep in any of these scriptures, any of the things we talked about, about how sexy they are, how hot they are, if they're bootylicious or not. Not in there. Our culture teaches us the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us to, is to be looked for in a mate. Our culture teaches us that the number one thing you must have in marriage is you got to be sexy. You got to look good. Our entire culture is built on the idea that you, if you marry somebody who is physically attractive, if you can find somebody that's smoking hot enough, then they're going to meet every need you'll ever have and you're going to live happily ever after. Now, if that, if, guys, think about this with me. If that was true, then the marriages that would last the longest would be Hollywood marriages. Because they're all better looking than we are. And is that true? Do the best looking people have the most successful and longest lasting marriages? Ask George Clooney. Ask Angelina. Ask Brad. Ask poor Jennifer Aniston. Ask Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. Ask Kim K. Uh-huh. Look, guys, it has, it has zero, and I am so thankful for this. Thank you, Jesus. But it has zero to do with the success of your marriage. Newsflash, champ. You're not going to stay sexy forever. At some point, if you live long enough, it's going to sag, it's going to flop, it's going to drop. All of that stuff going to happen. It's going to fall apart or fall out, one or the other. But the Hollywood myth is that all you need, all you need to get married is good looks, sexual attraction, and money. And, and that'll be it. You'll have everything that you need. And it is not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches, what we've been going with, this is truth. This checklist will do more for you than any Hollywood marriage and any Jared commercial. Well, Jason, 
I don't think I could ever find, I hear what you're saying and, 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 and you're preaching a little bit and I'm kind of offended at some of the stuff you said, but to be honest with you, I don't think that I could ever find anybody who meets all of that. Really? I did. Some of you did. So if I did it, you can do it. Mm. Let me give you some next steps. Next steps for this week are the exact same that they were last week. So for our singles, what I asked you to do was to put some time in your calendar, write it down on your calendar or put it in your phone, schedule some time to evaluate the relationship you know which relationship I'm talking about. And then talk to someone about the results. Talk to someone you trust about the results. You schedule some time, evaluate it. Do they have the must-haves? Is there spiritual unity there? Is there life purpose compatibility? Are they emotionally healthy? What are the indications of that emotional health? Write the stuff down. This is serious business. Evaluate the relationship and then talk to somebody that you trust about what you find out. It's important. Don't risk it. Don't gamble. Be intentional. Next week, we're going to talk about boundaries and your relationships. That's where we're headed next week. Some of us, some of us need boundaries. Uh, some of us need to impose boundaries on some of the people in our lives. Some of us just, we don't, we don't do it well. Um, we're going to talk about that next week. Boundaries in your relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we once again thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. We would be lost without it. We wouldn't have a clue what to do and our lives would be a wreck and a mess. But your word teaches us. It shows us very plainly how to live how to look for a mate, how to choose a mate, how to live in marriage. God, you, you've given us all of the tools that we need if we'll open it up and look at it and take it seriously. So thank you. Thank you for providing that for us. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for doing what you can to save us from some pain. Lord, I, pray, I just pray for everybody in here. Lord, if they're married, if they're single, God, if, if they've been through a divorce, God, if they were divorced, and remarried, wherever they are in life, Lord, I pray that the principles that are in your word about marriage would speak to them, God, and help them, guide them, Lord, so that they can have a successful, blessed, and protected union in Jesus' name. God bless you, folks. I love you. Thank you again for being here. We'll see you next week.